Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Um, welcome to Audacity Church. If this is your first time here, like I said a little bit earlier, thanks for being here. Uh, we hope you have a great time this morning. Um, Audacity Church is a new church. And, uh, we're not quite a year old, and um, our mission is simple, and that's to connect people who are far from God, to love Jesus, serve others, and then to go and make disciples. And we do that by focusing on a few areas of life. One of those is, is just we want to focus on your family. We want our families to become stronger. Uh, we want to help people um, just have strong families, to endure the, the, the hardships of life. Uh, we like to focus on uh, discipleship, and this is what I mean by that. I talk to so many people who have given their lives to Jesus, and, and I always ask a question, hey, what was your, like, like your, your spiritual high? Like, what was, what's that moment in your life when like, you, you and Jesus, had, and, and you just really were connected to him? And I, and I hear a lot. Well, you know, I was a teenager, and I was at church camp. And for some reason, these climactic moments of, 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 of your pinnacle spiritual walk with Jesus has, has become one day in the past. And so we are passionate about helping you uh, become closer to Jesus, whether that's through spiritual disciplines, whether that's just hanging out in community as we do life together um, and, uh, and I, I just want you to know that we're really passionate about that. Uh, my son made that buffer, and I didn't get to show it, so I wanted to show it. Um, and uh, it's funny when uh, somebody gets passionate about something, he comes up with all these creative ways to do things. And uh, I'm scared to death of my Mac. Um, for some reason, me and my computer don't get along really well, um, and it doesn't like me most of the time. And then he can get there, and um, he's the one that does our MP3s with Vargas's help. I mean, it, I, I, it's really scary how uh, at my age I should be much more computer literate than I am. So we started a series last week called Everything is Spiritual. And it's really more of a question than it is anything. Because we talked, three di- we talked about three different things last week that really um, changed the way that we think, or at least it defines what we think about spirituality. We talked about how, what worship is and how do, I, how do I worship. And one of the things we talked about is how we have to change the way we interpret worship. Most of us think that this is worship. The church has done a bang-up job, and we are just as guilty. As a matter of fact, when you walk through the door today, what did the sign say? Worship. Some of you didn't even see it. I mean, that banner cost me like $117. At least look at it when you walk in. I mean, for real. It's a $100 banner out there says worship, right? We've acted like worship is a place that you come. What we mean by that is this is the place that we gather to corporately worship. But we've, we've, we've bought into this thing, and so we have to change the way that we think about worship. Another thing we talked about is worship is a priority. We have to make worship a priority. And then we also discussed how worship is an offering. Worshiping is it's a sacrifice, and worship will, should, and is going to cost you something. We worship in different ways. And I also wanted to touch on these real quick before we dive into this week. Is we talked about four different myths of worship. One of those myths of worship is that worship is all about me. It's all about me. Me, me, me. And that's how we define worship. And this is what we do. 
Well, I really can't get into that song because it's not my style. This is what else we do. Man, if that church, if they don't play my type of music, man, I'm not going to go there. And we act like worship has anything to do with how we feel. It's not in the Bible. There's not, there is no witness of Scripture that says that worship is anything about you. And I gave you this example. One of the largest churches in America, Ashley and I went and visited uh, many, many years ago together. And uh, when we, we walked, I was so distracted by worship. I mean, I, I, I grew up very traditional. I grew up in a, in a, a church in Kentucky, um, which is different than Oklahoma. And, um, and I remember if it wasn't a piano and there wasn't an organ... And then sometimes we cut loose with a bass guitar and a banjo. It's because one of my uncles could play it or something. I have no idea. It wasn't worship. And if it wasn't out of a hymnal, then it wasn't worship. And we've defined all these things that make worship about me. And it's not. We went to this church, and I was so distracted by the worship. I thought I was at a rock concert. I mean, I was, it was I mean, overstimulating. I was distracted. I remember the, the word that was brought that day was just really powerful. We were leaving, and I remember I asked my wife, I said, Ashley, could you believe the worship? And she said, yes, wasn't it amazing? I know, and that's why I knew I married a pagan. And I, I just thought, I'm like, no, well, you have to have an organ that person really can't even play and they're trying to do it with one hand and you have to have a piano that's out of tune and hasn't been tuned in like 20 years, that's worship. And if it's not in a hymnal, what do you do? We make worship a lot about me instead of, hey, God, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. I'm just going to sing to you today and I'm just going to worship you with my life. The other other, um, myth is that worship is one day a week. We pretend like we come and this is worship. We also pretend like worship is just a part of your life and that uh, worship is merely a religious activity. So you have to listen to the podcast. I want to talk to you today really about two, uh, about several different ways to worship, but two different styles. And I would say that one of them is worship and the other probably isn't worship. Let me give you the first one. The first one is consumer worship. This is like the buffet. Okay, this is what happens. You show up on Sunday mornings and you worship. And basically, you, you hopefully worship enough to get you through the week. I mean, you basically, your philosophy is you show up and you gorge yourself on worship. And that's the only time throughout the week that you worship. It's consumerism. I mean, in the church, what we've done, in the Big C Church, I mean, Audacity Church, we're trying to figure out how to do things differently or better I don't know that we are all the time. But Big C Church has allowed worship, has allowed church to become basically a spectator sport when you're in a relationship with God. And instead of making it relational, we've, make it, we've made it where we're, we're just watching, we're observing. And so that's consumer mentality. And we line up and it's like a buffet. We eat as much as we can to get us through until next Sunday. The other type of worship that I, I, I would like to hope that we become is just serving. And we just, when we come on Sundays, we empty ourselves out so that we can be filled again. Where we just, it is an emptying of yourself and you're saying, Jesus, because of you, I'm going to lift my voice 
as high as I can. Because of you, I, I know that your scripture says you inhabit the praises of your people in Psalms. So I am going to sing to you today. I'm going to worship to you today. Now listen, I don't have a lot of rhythm. I was raised on the south side of Cincinnati, uh, and uh, I love hip-hop music. And it, 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 You guys always joke, I quote really famous philosophers like Tupac and Biggie and other great ones out there. That, um, but um, I have no rhythm. And so I have to choose in worship, do I sing or do I try to keep beat? And so I worship and I dance like a Baptist. This is the Baptist dance, all you can do it. I mean, it's just a little hop and everybody can do it. But I get so excited when I worship, I can't sit still. Now, I have yet to take off running. Now, and I'm not encouraging that. It's because we have power cords and stuff laying around. But I understand being so excited that we are in the presence of God and we are singing to Him that you want to get a little excited. I hope so. I think some of us get more excited on Saturday mornings at our kids' soccer or baseball games than we do Sunday morning in church. And that baffles me. It baffles me. Did you know that according to Psychology Today, they did an article, and they said, do you know what the best attitude to reduce stress in your life is? Anybody want to throw a couple out at me? Thankfulness. Okay, gratitude. That, that, would, that would be a good one. What else? Not all at once. It's really hard to hear all of you whenever like three or four of you are talking at the same time. Give me another one. Gratitude. Okay, this is really, once again, spectator sport. You guys are like, you're probably going to answer the wrong thing. I wrote down four things. One, I wrote down joy. Man, if I'm stressed, I just need to be joyful, and that's going to help reduce stress in my life. I did write down gratitude. I just want to say thank you. You know what? My approach in a stressful situation, if I just say thank you, it's going to go a whole lot better. I wrote down the word thank you. I wrote down the word optimistic. I don't know if that's right, but this is what I thought. You know what? If I'm in a situation, I'm stressed out, if I just have an optimistic point of view, it's going to reduce stress in my life. According to psychology, the, the psychological, psychology journal, excuse me, I said psychology today. Man, it's a really easy word for me to say. According to psychology journal, the number one way to reduce stress in your life is to be in awe. Just be in awe. Reduces stress. And I'm reading this, and this verse in Proverbs leaps into my heart when I'm reading this. And this is what Proverbs says, chapter 1, verse something, I think 7. says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, I'm not going to tell you to start writing your own Bible, but we have translated the Bible from its original language into another language called English. And sometimes when people did that, they did it wrong. Okay? The word fear there is not fear like you and I fear. Like, you know, like someone's in the closet and you hear the noise at night. Right? And you're like, what was that? Or the neighbor's dog starts barking last night. No, no lie. We already went to bed. You know, you lose an hour, all that stuff. We tried to be, you know, smart and go to bed before we usually do by the clock. I heard a dog at like 2.30 in the morning. I had to get up out of bed. It's the neighbor's dog. I just didn't know if something was in the backyard. There's fear. And that's how you and I interpret that word. The actual word means it's more of a reverent awe. The reverent awe of the Lord 
is the beginning of all wisdom. It is because you worship, it is because that you are in this right relationship with Jesus that you have the beginning of all knowledge and that you can reduce stress in your life. How many of you have seen the Lego movie? All right, if you haven't, go home and YouTube this later. There's a song, it's everything is awesome. And it has been stuck in my head since I took the kids to see it weeks ago. It's just, it won't get out of my head. But it's been a constant reminder that Jesus, I just want to be in awe of you. Jesus, I need to reduce stress in my life. And I think that we can do that by worshiping. And so how I choose to do this is I just want to be in awe. Some of you need to change the way that you look at your current circumstances and just be in awe of Jesus. Some of you need to stop looking at the bad and the negative and just say, man, Jesus, you really are awesome. Some of you need to, instead of looking at this scenario that, that you just don't see a way out of, there's more red than there is green, and you're looking at this situation, you're like, man, I, I, I just, it, it, this isn't looking good. What you need to do is you need to be in awe of the countless number of times that Jesus has come through and Jesus has been there for you and Jesus has walked you through and just be in awe so how do we do that I'm going to give you I think five if we get through them if not uh, I'll write a blog post about the rest of them the first thing I think that you and I have to do in order to be in awe of Jesus in order to make worship an actual ongoing part of our life if you like to write things down you can write this word down passion. I worship Jesus passionately. Man, we do a lot of things passionately. We invest a lot into things, whether it's a hobby, whether it is a, like, let me give you a, a perfect example. This is, or this is a horrible example, actually. Yesterday, I was leaving the house, and I went to put on my Kentucky Wildcats, uh, my jacket that I have, that I've invested in because it's the Kentucky Wildcats. And then I reminded myself that they got spanked by Florida by like 16, so I put the jacket back in my closet. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a thumping yesterday. And, uh, but we, in, like I've invested. I have hats of, like, of Kentucky. I have shirts. I mean, of things that we are passionate about, we make investments in. My buddy Josh, I was joking with him the other day, I saw the coolest Denver Broncos shirt. I said, I forwarded it to him. I said, do you own this one? He goes, no, but I own like seven, and I might get this one. I mean, we make investments into things that we're proud of. We get passionate about things that we are proud of. We get passionate about things that we invest in. Jesus teaches this in Matthew chapter 16. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Those words almost fall on deaf ears because the cross has become more of a, uh, a piece of jewelry than a symbolism of death, right? And so we lose what that means. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to worship me, if you're going to passionately pursue me, you have to die to yourself. Guys, that's not an easy thing to do. And I think me, I take that pretty flippantly sometimes. Well, Jesus, I'm going to die to myself mostly. There's a couple things I would like to hold on to. Jesus, I, I will die to myself and trust you fully, but, but 
you know, not with everything, because I would prefer to worry about it because I, I, I just, I don't fully trust you. Jesus calls us to come and die. When we worship, it is not about bringing glory to ourselves. It's about bringing glory to God. And so when we worship and we make it about us, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I am the one that I'm worshiping. And we make it idolatry. David Crowder in his book, I think it's called Praise Habit, says this, every second is an opportunity to to praise. There is a choosing that has to be made. Every second is an opportunity for praise. There is a choosing that has to be made. See, whenever you come to this realization that you are going to be a passionate pursuer, worshiper of Jesus, and you're going to give Him everything, you then in turn realize that everything is worship. Everything that we do is worship. We make the choice whether or not we worship God every day. We worship Him passionately. I'm going to go on to the next one. And, and, um, I worship Jesus intentionally. You have to be intentional about worshiping Jesus. See, we pursue God because He is relentlessly pursuing us. That's why we chase after His presence. That's why we spend time in His Word. That's why we have to dive in. I heard somebody say this week uh, that it stunned me because of, of who was speaking. And he said this, he said, there's a lot of times I open my Bible to start to study God's Word, and I, there's zero motivation. He said, I'm not doing it. it, it's really not even a spiritual thing. He said, I do it because of the discipline. He said, but I promise you this, every time you open your Bible, and every time you pull out something to write on, and every time you start to read the Word of God, God will speak to you. It has to be intentional. And I, this guy is, has a, a huge church. He's been in ministry 40 years. And I'm listening to him say, hey, but sometimes it's just hard to open the Bible because I'm tired and I don't, I'm not expecting to get anything out of it. We have to be intentional. Psalms 42 says this, As the deer pants for flowing streams or flow after water, so my soul pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When should, I, when should I come and appear before you? We have to intentionally, intentionally pursue God. It has to be intentional. This is what you're going to have to do. You have to pull out your handy-dandy smartphone that, I mean, what about, it looks like a, half of us are using as our Bibles. And you're going to have to go to the calendar app and you're going to have to schedule your time with Jesus. That's what you're going to have to do. If it's not on your schedule, it won't happen. It won't. You have to put, you have to intentionally put it on your calendar. I once heard John Piper say this. He said that Jesus can expect me every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. and every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. He can expect me every Wednesday at noon and every Friday at 4. And I'm listening, I'm like, well, what? And he said, those are the quiet times that I have on my calendar and scheduled when it's just about me and it's just about Jesus. I'm going to tell the story. Um, 
was at a pastor's conference the beginning of this last week, um, and then another conference the end of this last week. I ha- I'm exhausted. Tuesday night, the facilitator of our conference that I was at with about 70 other pastors gave a spiritual discipline, an exercise that he wanted all of us to go and do. And so, um, mainly because I wanted to make sure I got it done, and I knew other people at my table wouldn't get it done. I mean, it would solely pride. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do mine. I'm going to go home and do this. So I'm sitting in a hotel room Tuesday night, and it's late, and I start reading this chapter that he asked us to read. And then I started to just journal what I believed that God was telling me. And this is what I found out. I found out that the last several months, I can tell you a ton about the fruit of the Spirit that's coming later. I've spent hours studying about relationships in our Love and War series we just finished. I can talk to you about worship. I read four different books before I even sat down to pen this sermon series. I've spent hours studying. And it has been months since I just sat with Jesus in a hotel room with an open Bible. I said, hey, what do you want for Ronnie today? Not what what do you want for Ronnie's family. Not what do you want for the church that Ronnie's called to. What do you, I'm speaking in the third person. It's awkward. What do you want for me today? I study. I pray for all, anybody that's filled out a card, I pray for you by name almost daily. And I don't take the time to intentionally just say, hey, Jesus, what do you have for Ronnie today? I get so busy. So this week, whipped out my phone, and I just wrote on my calendar, and now and I put an alarm to go off 30 minutes before so it reminds me when I'm scheduling this time. You have to be passionate. You have to be intentional. Louis Giglio puts it this way. He says, worship isn't something you attend like a movie or a concert. Worship is something that you enter with all your might. Worship is a a participating sport in a spectator culture. Hebraically, there was a saying that they said, um, um, the Talmud says something along the lines of this, that studying the Torah is the highest form of worship. Now listen, I love to sing offbeat and out of key. I do, and it's bad. Just try not to watch me. Just watch them up here to help you. And uh, I do, because I realize it's, it's these moments that I get to just sing praises. I, I do love to do that. And I think it's an important part of your life. You need to listen and worship at home. There's a couple songs we just did, You Won't Relent. I listen to that song, and I listen to the song Oceans. I do it a lot in my quiet time. Those are just the songs that are speaking to my heart right now. I'm realizing that, that some of that needs to be overflowed into here, and so we're going to try some stuff that I really believe God is speaking to me. And I, there's times that that's important, but you guys have to open the Word of God and let Him speak to you. Let me tell you why. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. But the Holy Spirit will always speak to you in a way that aligns with Scripture. Some of you need to expand the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit by reading Scripture so He can speak into your life. 
Some of you, when you pray, you're not hearing anything, and it's because there's no vocabulary there to share with you. Some of you, what you think you hear doesn't align with Scripture. It doesn't. We have to passionately and intentionally worship. Worship is everything that you do. In everything that you do. This week, I, t- I took a walk. I don't like to walk. I mean, exercise in general is lame. Um, and, um, but I was walking, and I was able just to walk and worship by uh, whatever lake I was on, Fort Gibson. And I realized that these opportunities are in my neighborhood. These opportunities are in a park by my, cell, by my house. There is places that I can intentionally place myself in order to worship. The next one, I worship Jesus sacrificially. Man, what do you give a God that has everything? Really? God doesn't need your tithe. Audacity might, I mean, some months. God doesn't need it. God doesn't need you to spend time studying His Word. His Word is is established. His Word is spoken. His Word isn't going anywhere. God doesn't need you to pray to Him. He's not like uh, Zeus. If you guys know anything about Zeus that lived on top of Mount Olympus, uh, just Greek mythology here, it's a fake God. I want you to go home and Google it and get confused. It's not Jesus' brother. Um, Zeus's power was increased when people prayed to him. That ain't Jesus. So what do you give a God that has everything? It's you. You give him you. I firmly believe that, that, that God gave you free will. He allows you. Now, the Bible does tell you that He first chose you and He's pursuing you. And I'm, I'm not making a doctrinal statement. We can just discuss that theology over a cup of coffee that you have to buy me if you want to have that conversation. But He loves you and He wants you. He wants to be in a relationship with you and we don't. We, we, we don't make time for it. The Creator of the universe... The God who spoke and the world began wants you. But it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Philippians 2, 5-8 through says this. And this is the Message Bible. Listen, I don't want an email. Save your emails. I know it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Blah, 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 blah. Read the message in this section of Scripture when you get home. Philippians 2, Message Bible, verses 5-8. through eight. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of Himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of Himself that He had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst 
kind of death at that. The crucifixion. You have to worship Jesus passionately. You have to worship Jesus intentionally. But you have to worship Jesus sacrificially. We make worship all about us. And here's what stinks. Is a lot of things we are worshiping right now. You're worshiping right where you are. You're worshiping a relationship that's unhealthy for you. But so important to you, it's all about you that you don't let God work it out. Some of you are worshiping finances right now. You're, you're, you're worshiping finances. You're so stressed out about X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. And that becomes the priority in your life. And that's what consumes your thoughts. And that's what is consuming your life. And it becomes worship. I'm going to read this last quote. It's from Fritz Riedenauer. Riedenauer. I don't know. Ask him how he says his name. This is what he said. Christianity is more than a religion. Because every religion has one basic characteristic. It follow, its followers are trying to reach God, find God, please God through their own efforts. Religions reach up towards God. Christianity is God reaching down to man. Christianity claims that men have not found God, but that God has found them. To some, that is a crushing blow. They prefer religious effort Dealing with God on their own terms, this puts them in control. They feel good about being religious. Let me explain why this changes everything. Everything is spiritual. And everything that we do is aligning our heart with Jesus so that we can live out as Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, we're worshiping something else and and that really is what that what comes out, what bleeds through. Now, I would much rather be religious. Um, I, was, I was raised in a conservative Christian home. Now, I was never taught this, but I thought this. If it was fun, then it must be sin. I mean, just it was really a conservative home. And I'm really thankful for my upbringing. Don't get me wrong. But as a good old Baptist, that's just what we thought. At least that's how I interpret it. And so there's a part of me that is drawn towards religion because this is what it says. If There's these boxes that I check. And I check my reading box. I check my prayer box. I check my didn't cuss the guy at you know, Taco Bell box. I check the I was really nice to my kids box. I check the, I, and you check all these boxes and it becomes the religious duty. And then this is what you do is you show God. You're like, hey, here's the scorecard. Check it out. I've been killing it. That's what we say. Like, God, listen, here, this is the scorecard. I'm laying it before you. Then there's the other side of the coin. And the other side of the coin scares me because it's grace. The other side of the coin says no matter what you do, you can't earn the approval or the love of God. The other side of the coin says this. It says no matter what you do, it'll never repay what I've done for you. And here's the scary thing about grace. Because then... Jesus, in turn, can ask anything of you. See, if we have the scorecard religion, it's like, hey, Jesus, 
I dotted all my I's, I crossed all my T's, I did all these things. And these things, they, they, they are what should give me favor. They are what should make things work. They, they, and, and we line all this up. And we say, Jesus, you really can't call me too much out of my comfort zone because I'm real faithful to you. And then the other side of that is grace. And grace changes everything because grace says it's no matter what you can do. He loves you. Some of you have a false view of Jesus. Some of you are trying to earn His love instead of realizing that He relentlessly, passionately is a pursuer of you and wants the very best for you. And following Jesus for quite a while, I will tell you that there's a lot of things what He thinks is best in the moment I was through Him and walking through them, I swore He was wrong. And those moments, I'm like, how, how is this love? How is the way that I, what I'm experiencing love? I can give you story after story. On the other side of it, I look back and I see divine protection. I look back and I see a loving God that led and guided and ordered every one of the steps so that I would do what He called me to do. Stop trying to earn it. And realize that, hey, you know what? Jesus right now as I'm working in the button factory and as lame and as boring as the button factory is and I'm just trucking away, I'm doing this as worship to you. You know what? At home tonight or tomorrow and you're changing that diaper that you're like, what did you eat? I mean, it's, there's no way this should be coming out of an 18-month-old child. I'm like, what? Can we potty train you earlier? What is the deal? And it's gross and it's messy. Make it worship. When your kids get up in the middle of the night and they don't let you sleep, make it worship. Start to pray for somebody that God puts on your mind. I want you to know that everything is spiritual. And Jesus' love for you is like nothing that you or I could try to explain. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.